Missouri State. Ben has led his program to four national championships, winning the last two. Ben is one of the brightest and best coaches in all of America. During part two, we talk about the power of serving, mental toughness, the impact of a phone call from mom, and much, much more. So without further ado, my conversation with Ben McCollum. You talked about wall culture. Uh, maybe walk us through what it would look like for you. Your student athletes get on campus in August. Um, and obviously, you're going to have some carryover and some building off of the, the previous year. But in general, you gotta, you got to build culture. It's a new team. Walk us through what it might look like behind the scenes as you, as you build and sustain culture in your program. Yeah, I think, I think with uh, just in preseason, and this is what we try to emphasize um, so the first day we come in, we actually make an emphasis on serving. So they set up our gym for invocation and they set up probably a thousand chairs and then these mats all over the floor. And so most coaches, when they go meet with their team the first time, they give them gear, um, you know, ah, this is going to be awesome. Our program's awesome. And this is great. And it's all about you guys. And I want to make you guys happy and et cetera. The first thing we do is we walk down into the locker room and then we say, hey, we're going to go upstairs. We're going to clean the gym for the janitors. And so we go up there and we pick up, you know, roughly a thousand chairs. And then we pick up all the mats in the gym. And it only takes us 45 minutes to an hour. It doesn't take us long. But the point being is you're not here for you. You're here to serve and you're here to serve this program. You're here to serve Northwest Missouri State. And you're here to serve whoever's within your area of influence. And that helps to start uh, the process of them getting over themselves and understanding your teammates are more important than than you. And uh, with the preseason, then we go into that. We try to make preseason as mentally draining as possible and put them into positions where they have to persevere. The big thing with that is a lot of people will just run their teams into the ground and they, you know, you can make guys make sprints and stuff like that. What, what we really want to see is when they're exhausted, do they do it with a smile on their face while cheering on a teammate? And can they continue to make proper decisions when they're exhausted? And so just getting through conditioning doesn't really do it for me. Because I, I, you can get anybody through conditioning with enough fear. Right. I want you to do it while cheering on your teammate. I want you to respond the right way. I don't want you to get all emotional when you're tired. And so I want to get you to that point, and then I want you to cheer on a teammate and get out of your your own head. Mm-hmm. So our whole preseason is literally just that, just the body language, the um, you know cheering on your teammates, the 
How do I respond when I'm tired? How do I respond when I just had a good workout? Can I come back and have another good workout? Because handling success is more difficult than handling adversity in my mind. Um, all those little things, can I be on time? Can I have a schedule? Can I, you know, all those little things and, and building that mental toughness muscle so that when the season starts, we've built that uh, first and foremost. And our whole focus is that. Most people are putting in their plays, their sets, all that thing. It's all basketball. Ours is all mental toughness. That's it. So it sounds like, because you, you'd mentioned something earlier too on just how, um, you know, you want to be a positive coach. It's all about do this. Don't, don't coach like a, Hey, don't do that. So it sounds like you're one of your, um, one of your big things is to get their brains right, to like get a mentally tough team, to get a positive, confident team. It sounds like you work a ton on that versus the X and O's. I'm sure you work on the X and O's. Would that be, would that be fair to say? Is that a good read? That That's a great read. Yeah. I, that wins you games. Yeah. So people will call me about our offense and I'm glad to give them anything offensively, defensively, because I think X's and O's, we are fairly elite. I think we're probably as good as anybody in the country. Um, but that's not why we win consistently. Um, it's just not, it's, it's literally, uh, just our mental toughness, our ability to serve each other, our ability to love each other, uh, our ability to, to make decisions for ourselves on the floor, uh, just so much to do with our culture before it has to do with just the X's and O's piece. And, and, you know, you identify that in recruiting, and then we try to work on it through our preseason and, and even into the season. That's good. Love that. So you've been there uh, 10 full seasons. How have you changed? What are, what are the top couple ways that if you look back season one or two versus now? Uh, yeah, how have you changed? How have you grown? I would say one big thing, especially for younger coaches, and I've told this story before um, at, at different clinics and, and even to different people. It was would have been my second season. We were halfway through my second season, and we had lost, I think, seven or eight in a row. Um, and got done with the game, and I called my my mom, who obviously I'm real close with, and I said, "Hey, I'm done coaching. Uh, I'm not a good coach. I cannot get these kids to to respond the way I want them to respond. I can't win games. This isn't going to happen. And so I'm going to resign." And she said, well, we'll wait till the end of the season. You know, let's just calm down, <laughs> whatever. And so um, I said, no, no, I'll wait. I'll finish the season and then I'll, I'll just go into the financial world and, and everything will be fine. And she said, OK, that's fine. She said, but what happened? And I said, well, we got into this game and we had lost seven or eight in a row. And this team was even worse than us, actually, at the time. And our team played really frustrated. And she said, she said, okay, so what'd you say to him? I said, well, stop playing so frustrated is what I said to him, obviously. What else am I going to say to him? You know, at this point, I'm beyond annoyed. And she said, okay, say it to me how you said it to them. And so I said, guys, we got to stop playing so frustrated. And right when I said it with a frustrated tone, mm. I realized how impactful my energy was and how I would complain about my team acting a certain way. But reality was I was acting that way and they were feeding off of my energy. Mm. So a big thing in our program is be the change you want to see in others. So if you want to see change 
in your own program. I want them to be more positive or I want them to do this. You have to be the change. And so understanding how they fed off of my energy has carried me to this point in my career. Three games later, and this is a true story. It's like three games later, something along those lines. Don't fact check some of it, but it's genuinely pretty true. I think it was three games, two or three games. We go to another team in our conference and they had like um, just roughly a 20 game home win streak. At the time, I think they were like 20 and three um, and they were number three or four in the country. So they're the best team in our league. They're the first, first place team in our league. We were either last or second to last and had only won, I think, one or two games in league. And I'm like, I'm going to be positive this whole, we're going to lose this game anyway. I'm just going to be positive the whole time. And so I was, and we actually sat somebody that was our leading minute guy who was a kind of an energy vampire. And, and um, I just told him before the game, Hey, you're not going to play this game. We're just going to play guys that are positive, positive the whole game. I think at halftime we were down like 12 or 15. And so, but I'm still positive. Hey, we're good guys. Let's go. Just keep responding the right way. And 10 minutes to go, we were down 10 points, actually cut the lead five minutes to go down about five. And then, uh, I think it was like 10 seconds to go. I think we were tied. I said, man, this positive stuff might work. And uh, so we get a side out of bounds play. And I had a great play drawn up. And we inbound the ball. And the, the other coach is a really good coach. And well, he goes zone. I had the play drawn up for a man. He goes two, three zone. I'm like, oh, no. Instantly, I thought to get frustrated because that's what I had done. And But then I'm like, no, I'm positive. And so our point guard at the time was really good. And I just said, hey, just go make a play. And we're good. We're good. You got this. And just positive. And he's like, okay. You know, just kind of fed him with confidence. And he went and made a play. We made the layup. We won the game and um, finished the season six and three. And then the next year, we we ended up winning the league. And so I, I think that change in my approach and understanding that I was the problem uh, allowed me some ownership in, in what was going on with our program. Yeah. Dude, that's a great story. I love that. I love that. So Ben, I end with three questions. First question I ask is, uh, what are you currently reading or now with the, the popularity of podcast, I add in reading or listening to that's really keeping you sharp, helping you grow. Yeah. So podcasts, I listen to uh, Patrick Lencioni. Yeah. Uh, by far and away, my favorite podcast, uh, along with The Learning Leader. I think it's Ryan Hawk is the guy's name. Yeah. Both of those two are probably my two favorite by far and away. Um, and I listen to those on every single run that I do. Reading, I'm actually reading, um, I just finished it, Essentialism. Um, yeah. Pretty good book. It's, it's, uh, it's probably worth a read. I, I mean, we, we read so many books and, and I heard a podcast once. Uh, George Raveling, and he talked about how he reads books and is fantastic. I think Tim Ferriss was the, was the guy that put the podcast on, but George Raveling was the coach. He was the old coach at the university of Iowa. And um, anyway, he talked about how he reads books and, and uh, how, if he doesn't like the book, he'll just stop reading it <laughs> and he'll read yeah. three or four at a time. And so I, I've gotten pretty good at, at making sure that I read things that I'm interested in and, and, and not wasting a ton of time grinding through a book if I don't enjoy it. And so um, right now, that would be the book that, that I just got finished reading. Love it. By the way, the, uh, the, the podcast with the guy named is, the guy's name is Jay Hennessy. He's with the Cleveland Indians. 
I heard it on the Learning Leader Show with Ryan Hawk. Okay. It's fabulous. Dude, the yeah. guy's a, he's a former, uh, I think a Navy, former Navy SEAL. Now he's the, his, his title with the Indians is the Director of Learning and Development. Okay. So it was about four or five episodes ago. Phenomenal. I think the guy's a genius. I mean, he's yeah. just a tough guy, but also really smart. Anyways, yeah. I love he's that. Got a lot of good ones. My favorite one was there was a lady from, I believe, Harvard on there and talked about, um, oh, there was a trip to Antarctica, and I cannot recall the guy's name. Um, took a two-year trip to Shackle, is it Shackleton, Shackleford, something along those lines. Anyway, there was a lady on there from, I, I believe it was Harvard, um, and she was phenomenal. It was like 10 episodes ago. Okay. Uh, probably my favorite podcast ever, but I can't even... I, I can't even identify. You, you'll, if you go through it, you'll see what, what I'm I'll talking. I'll check it out. I yeah. usually listen to his. I, you know, obviously, sometimes I'll skip. It's amazing how I'll look at it. I'll look at the the kind of what it's about, and I'll make a really quick judgment sometimes. And so yep. I'm, I'm guessing I skip by that one, but I'll have to go back and check yep. it out. Okay, second question. What advice would you give a young person just getting into the coaching profession? Yeah, probably three different things. Um, two two qualities that I look for in coaches, are they loyal and do they work hard? So I think having that extreme work ethic is huge. I always tell people, are you the guy? So, you know, I, I was always the guy that if my coach said, Hey, can you mow my lawn for me? I'd always say, well, would you like me to weed eat too? And, and never too, too big for those kind of jobs. I call them coffee guys. My, I had an old manager that's phenomenal worker. And, you know, I'd be like, hey, can you get donuts this morning from Casey's? Here's the money. And and are you a guy that, oh, gosh, do I really got to do this? This is below me, blah, blah, blah. Or are you the guy that says, yeah, do you want me to get you coffee too? And, and you know, which kind of guy are you? I think that tells how much, you know, your work ethic is. And then the loyalty piece of it, just making sure that you always talk well um, about who you're working for, about. Uh, partners, about friends, about teammates, et cetera, making sure that you maintain that level for that high, high level of loyalty is huge in our profession. For new coaches, head coaches particularly, make sure that you are yourself as a head coach. When I became the head coach at Northwest, my first year, I tried to be Steve Tapmeyer, who was my original coach. My second year, I tried to be David Moe. I was about to get fired. I figure at some point I probably should try to be Ben McCollum. And so making sure that you take from Steve Tapmeyer, from David Moe, from different coaches that you've been around, but still be genuine about what you're doing and be yourself because you can do it a lot of different ways. And so being yourself as a head coach is, is enormous. Love that. Uh, speaking of hard workers, it sounds like you might have a pretty good assistant. I, I, I was on your guys' website where I think he was, I don't know, some list of top 50 assistants, but it sounds like he's a pretty good worker. Yeah, he was. Uh, so two years ago, I lost my assistant that had been with me for, you know, eight, nine years. And I was looking to hire somebody else. And he was, he just happened to be, he played for me and then happened to be my GA uh, the previous year. So he had one more year of graduate school. Well, I ended up hiring somebody who got hired away and went to the Detroit Pistons. So we went into that, it would have been 2019 season, 38 and 0 year with me. And then 
who was supposed to be a GA, Zach, who's now my current assistant. So he's lost one game as an assistant. He's 69 and one. He's like, dude, um, this is easy. Oh yeah. He's good. He's elite. He works. He's, he's got great, you know, he's just, he's gotten over himself. He's, he gives a ton of effort. He's sharp. Um, you know, he's one of those guys that you'll walk in and say, Hey, we really need to be uh, calling this recruit. Oh yeah. I've been talking to him for four months. Oh, Love that. all right. Sounds good. <laughs> yeah. And so he's just one of those guys that just constantly works and uh, he's phenomenal. Who's the guy that got taken or uh, got hired by the Pistons? Uh, a guy named Bryston Williams. He was, okay. we hired him. Um, he was with the Memphis Grizzlies, ironically, their G League organization. Extreme amount of energy. I mean, one of those guys that when he walks into your room, it's like this massive wave of energy. Like you can just feel it coming. Mm. And um, I think he was making, I don't know, five, $6,000 as a G League assistant. Um, didn't make much at all. And then... Ended up coming coming with me uh, here for about a month, and then somebody from the Pistons called him who had been in Memphis, and they loved his energy, they loved his enthusiasm, and then he had worked as a shooting coach there as well, and so they wanted that piece as, as well, and they said, he comes over to my house one night, and he's one of my best friends, and he played for me too, um, comes over and he says, hey coach, I got a problem, I said, oh no, what'd you do now, or something, you know, and he says, well, the Detroit Pistons called it. Okay, so what's the problem? He said, well, they, they offered me a job. I said, again, what's the problem? He said, well, I just took this job. I can't leave. I said, I said well, that's easy. You're fired. And uh, <laughs> so, you know, he ended up taking that. And, and um, you know, I think he does a good job for them. I love that. That's good. That's good. Okay, and I end with this last question. Um, who would you love to hear on this podcast? Who would you love to hear their story uh, how, you know, their culture, how they build culture and leader, their leadership thoughts. Yeah. Who would you love to hear? Well, I, I hear them all the time. So it's, it's hard for me to, um, to say, to say one, uh, you know, I, I think you've got Grant right there, McCaslin, who's, who's phenomenal. Um, um, you know, obviously those guys are pretty busy guys, but he's, he's yeah. phenomenal. He's, he's as good as there is. And then, um, Jeff Linder at the uh, university of Wyoming, um, but he's on a bunch of podcasts all the time. So he's, he's, uh, he's busy, but those two guys at, at that level are, are, are phenomenal um, and phenomenal leaders, phenomenal coaches, and probably as good as there is in the, in, in the college basketball profession. Love it. Love it. Ben, thanks dude. This has been really, really good. Um, my, my audience is coaches, majority, majority, I would think college, but also some high school coaches. And I think this is going to add a ton of value. So appreciate you hopping on. Yeah, no doubt. And I appreciate you having me.